1: All right, Sandy Rios with you, coming to you live from Dallas. I am alive, <laughs> and we are in Dallas. Those two, those two things I can verify. This is CPAC. Uh, and it's. Uh, they don't usually meet in uh, the summer, but this summer they decided uh, to add another conference called America Uncancelled Part 2. Uh, So uh, a lot of fighting going back, and this place is going to be packed with people. They're not here yet, so we're kind of in a deserted hall, Uh, but they will be here starting noon today, and it will culminate with President Trump on Sunday afternoon. Uh, All of the, the named special people that you know and enjoy will be coming to this conference. Scott Walker will be our guest tomorrow, along with other very special guests, and so well, I—I'm not. Uh, you won't hear it tomorrow, but you'll hear it next week. I'll be pre-taping Scott Walker and others, uh, uh, Gordon Chang also about China. So this will be a big event, an important event, and it's where conservatives come not only to uh, encourage each other, but to strategize and also to just get the lay of the land because we—we we all know the lay of the land is not good right now, and it uh, is very encouraging to see people fight back, and so that's why we're here. One of those people that has been fighting back in incredible ways for a number of years is a congressman from Alabama. Uh, He has been elected to public office 13 times in Alabama. Uh, He uh, was uh, a congressman, he still is. Uh, He also was state legislator uh, four times the Madison County Commissioner, and five times a U.S. Congressman. And he joins me this morning. Con- and it's so early that I'm really impressed he's here. Congressman Mo Brooks, thanks for joining me.
3: Thank you, Sandy. My pleasure. i, I got to get that updated. It's 14 now.
1: It's 14. <laughs> I should make a big line here. 14. Um, what were you doing when you ran for Congress the first time?
3: I was a county commissioner on the one hand and a commercial litigator for ABC Supply out of Bloit, Wisconsin, on the other hand. And I saw what was happening in 2009 under Barack Obama and socialist control of the House and the Senate and the damage that they were doing to our country, and that compelled me to run.
1: Any regrets that you ran? Uh,
3: Well, yes.
1: Um, (laughs) Now that I ask, (laughs) yeah.
3: Not that I ran, but how unsuccessful Congress has been at addressing the major challenges we face as a country. Uh, By way of example, uh, deficit and debt. It was huge back in 2009-2010. What has happened since then? The debt junkies in Washington, D.C., Republicans and Democrats alike, have more than doubled our national debt to almost $30 trillion. That's financial insanity. It is finan- These people are dangerous and ignorant at the same time yes. if they think we can continue this indefinitely. I know. It's risking the future of our country.
1: Yes, and I, I have to say, I've said this before, it's kind of a theme with me. Uh, I, I know that... Uh, I uh, Trust me, I've been in meetings for years. I was in D.C. I went to D.C. for the first time in 2001. And so um, since 2001, senators and congressmen don't want to talk about the debt. I had, a co- I had a senator, someone that you know, actually, in an elevator say, Sandy, we are in so much debt and nobody wants to talk about it. And it's been increasing ever since. And back then, in 2001, that was almost like a fairy tale. We, we long for debt that we had in 2001. But they don't, even in meetings, when I try to confront senators, they don't, they don't want to talk about it.
3: Well, if I'm elected to the United States Senate, there will be discussion about it. And they're going to find that there's going to be at least one senator who's going to be voting no and using every procedural tool possible to cut down on our annual deficits and our spending.
1: Well, so I was going to get to that, but we will jump right in there. You you are running for Senate.
3: I am in the state of yeah. Alabama, uh, one of America's biggest spenders, Richard Shelby yes. from the state of Alabama. We have lots of buildings named after him. Uh, he's retiring. And so uh, it's an open seat. Uh, the polling looks great. Um, the fundraising, not so much. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. But it's going to be a typical battle between a principled conservative and a pretend conservative. And we'll see who the Alabama people want to send to Washington, D.C. And
1: I have to, I have to affirm what you just said. He is a pretend conservative. Disgusting, honestly. I, I wish somebody would do a study.
3: Well, I was about talking about the person who's running against me. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, oh, oh. All right. Well, well, I want to talk about Richard Shelby because he's one of, uh, look, the hallmark of shame of senators who are serving who have enriched themselves, came to the Senate with, you know, basically nothing and are leaving as multimillionaires and buildings named after them and nothing else to show for it. And I, I just think it's disgusting. It is, it is going to be the story of the decline of this country or the destruction of this country.
3: Well, Richard Shelby has done some good things. Um, I was surprised when he voted opposite uh, Donald Trump on January the 6th and for Joe Biden. Um, that was a little bit distressing. We had eight. Republicans from the state of Alabama, seven of us voted to disallow the Electoral College votes of Arizona and Pennsylvania because of the voter fraud issues associated uh, with what transpired in those two states uh, that rendered uh, their results, at least in my mind, and a majority of Republican congressmen unreliable. Hence, we rejected them. Richard Shelby was the only one who voted opposite the other seven of us uh, to instate uh, Joe Biden. Uh, but the,
1: and why would he do that?
3: Well, I, I've got some ideas. I'd prefer not to engage in conjecture at this point. Um, you know, he was a party switcher. He was originally elected to Congress as a Democrat. He was originally elected to the United States Senate as a Democrat, having been uh, able to beat uh, um, war hero uh, Jeremiah Denton in 1986. Wow and then sometime in the 1990s when Alabama started switching from Democrat to Republican, he switched parties.
1: Okay, very interesting. All right, so he's finally retiring, finally, finally, finally retiring and um and so this is the seat now uh, there is a you have uh, other three other women they're women three women in the race
3: yes. Is that right you're up to date hey, uh, one of them announced yesterday
1: <laughs> and one of them okay. is formidable in terms of fundraising because she is maybe has the imprimatur of richard shelby and the republican rhino class well is that right? she
3: she's a professional lobbyist um registered as such uh, in Montgomery and as such she's met a lot of folks and let's face it if, if you've got special interest groups that want to hire a lobby or what's better hiring a lobbyist or hiring a senator
1: yes
5: well so we there's know, a lot of money it.
3: that has flowed into her coffers but that was anticipated we all knew that she was going to be the preferred candidate of the never trumpers the preferred candidate of the special interest groups, the preferred candidate of the open borders bring us in a lot of cheap labor that undermines American wages, a uh, group of people, um, and others like that. And, and so that's just something we have to deal with. Fortunately, uh, I'm almost always outspent uh, by my opponents. Not all the time, but a majority of the time. And we're used to having a better message, but less money and still prevailing. We'll see how it plays out in 2022. That's going to be up to the people of America. And the people of the state of Alabama.
1: The woman that you're discussing who's the lobbyist, is she the one that just announced yesterday?
3: No, she announced uh, about a month ago. She'd been campaigning for close to a year, maybe two years. All right. Um,
1: Okay. So, uh, but as it stands, the polls show you way far ahead.
3: Uh, Club for Growth did a poll around April 30th, and we had a 46-point lead over candidates two and three. And now we've got a new one that jumped in yesterday. Uh, I don't know where she's going to find room to find votes, um, but she's pretty smart. Uh, we'll see how it plays out.
1: So I honestly don't know. Um, Alabama has been, it seems to me, and you, I know you'll correct me because I need it correcting. Uh, so many states I followed about the election dust up, you know, Arizona and, and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Georgia. But Alabama, you really didn't face any of those kinds of upheavals. You, no recounts. Uh, are, are there have there been election reforms passed anything like that since 2016?
3: Well we will occasionally have Democrats try to steal elections they tried to steal my first one back in 1982 when they rigged 25 percent of the voting machines to register votes for everybody on the ballot except for Mo Brooks uh, we still won somehow or another with 57 percent of the vote it was uh, it was so bad that at one location where there were five rigged machines um, eventually the poll workers started making public announcements if you want to vote for Mo Brooks go sign your name on the wall so we do have aberrant things like that but by and large we have a very very good election system and we have occasional fraud with absentee ballots but it's very limited we have photo identification as a requirement you have to have a substantive reason not to vote on election day in order to get an absentee ballot that's very important Uh, We have the same problems everybody else has with uh, illegal aliens and other non-citizens registering to vote um, and voting in our elections. Uh, But that's that's a national problem, and it can only be fixed by repeal of Section 5 of the National Voter Registration Act or, in the alternative, a Supreme Court opinion that says, yes, you can demand proof of citizenship before someone registers to vote.
1: You know, I see Matt Brainerd. Hey, Matt, come on just for a second. You know, Matt... The reason, yes. I, the reason I, <laughs> Matt, come join us well, just for a second. A Matt was my guest yesterday, and I just want to bring him in because I want to talk about voter integrity because that's part of what you're doing. Matt was my guest yesterday. He's a lookaheadamerica.org. And you guys are working on voter integrity. My question for both of you is, Mo is going to run for Senate now. Did you know that, Matt? Yeah. Okay. Well, here, we got to get you on the mic so we can hear you talking. Oh, are we on now? Yeah, we're on. Oh. <laughs> we're on the radio right this minute. I know you haven't done much radio, but <laughs> I'm teasing you. Oh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, obviously not enough to know that you're on air. I should just put the cans on and get on
1: mic. Matt, uh, I was just going to ask, Mo, because I was asking about voter integrity in Alabama, and I know you guys are, one of the things you're tracking besides doing this rally, for the guys held in prison in the DC jail next Saturday, July the 17th. Go to lookaheadamerica.org.rally, uh, slash rally and you can find out more information about that. But I, let's talk about voter integrity because I'm curious to think, to know. I'll ask you first, Mo. Do you think that there is, do you, look, the Democrats are working on HR1, SR1, the John. Uh, Lewis Voter Rights Act they are trying to corrupt our elections. I call it the Voter
3: Fraud Enhancement Act.
1: Yes okay well well said well stated. Do you honestly think we can stave this off and have a free election in 2022?
3: It's quite frankly going to be up to Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona. If both of them fold under the pressure then we may have lost our republic.
1: Well that's what I think too. So,
4: and, and I think it's more than just the federal government we have to look at. Look Ahead America, our research group, which is the home of the Voter Integrity Project, has documented uh, in a report we put out just this week over 900 examples of state legislators trying to pass components of H.R. 1 through the back door, through the state level. And that is as much a problem as the threat of H.R. 1 is at the federal level. And you know when we we are America First community organizers, and we go to places we have strength. Right now, we don't have a lot of strength in Washington D.C. But there are, no kidding. Yeah, but in the state on the state <laughs> legislative level, we do have a lot of state legislatures who are believe in the patriotic cause, where we have muscle. So that's where we're trying to win these battles for election integrity, to, to secure the laws, and push back attempts to implement backdoor HR one.
1: Of course, if they do the federal. All the states will be forced. I mean, I think that has to play out. I'm not sure how that's going to play out. Does, has anybody really gamed
4: that? H R. One is a... and the problem is, is that H R. One has things in it that people don't know are in it. For example, right now, if uh, my good friend here, Mo Brooks, running for office, decides to put his campaign donations in his pocket, he goes to prison. H R. One legalizes politicians taking those campaign donations and putting them directly in their pocket. So there's all it's a very complicated bill. It takes redistricting away from the state legislatures where it's been since the founding of our republic and puts it in in the hands of an unelected bureaucracy. So there's a lot of horrible things in this bill and we could talk about it all day long, but as he's mentioned right now it looks like it's on ice at least at the federal level.
1: Yes, but Mel, the um the, yes, HR1 and SR1 are probably maybe not going to be passed. Although I don't, I don't trust that that's over either, because I don't trust Joe Manchin and I don't trust Kristen Sinema, because their reasons for holding out are not necessarily ones of principle. And I, I just um, like Kristen's is like um, it's, it's not like she's impassioned about stopping SR1. I don't think she is, but um, my understanding is they're going to take this into pieces and try to pass it in other ways in the Senate. And so uh, that's the danger now. They're going to Heal it off and they'll find enough Republicans. I just saw it yesterday. Mitch McConnell, did you read what he said? He said I, he figured out. A w- All right, let's see if I get this right. Uh, basically, he's uh, figured out the way to, contain- to continue in his power, but he's not going to do it by trying to stop everything that Joe Biden wants. He's just going to stop some things. Did you guys see that?
3: Well, Mitch McConnell's history is surrendering a little bit at a time.
1: Well, that's exactly what he announced yesterday. You know, it was in living color. He's going to—he's not going to really push back on Joe Biden on everything. Just—just just some things, and that's how he plans to keep his power.
3: You may find a chuckle in this. In 2017, when I ran for the Senate in Alabama, we had this huge banner. It was very simple: "Ditch Mitch." President Trump loves it.
1: Yeah. Well, I—I re- I must have repeated that several times myself, because I would be of the "Ditch, Ditch Mitch." Uh, 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 yes, camp uh, so Matt, uh, so you're working with different states and you're trying to identify where the states are pulling in these horrible measures. We I have talked about HR1 and sR1 a lot on the air, so people have some familiarity about the lack of voter ID and and all of it. Um, you know, bo- voter harvesting, ballot harvesting, and all of that just it's a it's like a roadmap it's a uh, it's like the I can't use that word. It's the uh, the special dream of all Democrats to pass this bill. It's If they could control the world, everything is in that bill. So you're saying that now the states are coming in to adapt it. Does that mean, though, in 2022, we could possibly have some states that are have gone the way of... Uh, they're already blue states that are doing that, aren't they? They're not red states. They're, it's
4: a mix, actually. And in fact, in some cases, it's... Uh, Republicans that are putting this legislation forward. And in some cases, it's passed. In other cases, it's dead. In some cases, it's sort of just lingering because, you know, at the state legislative level, legislation sometimes takes multiple cycles to pass. But anybody can propose it at any time. And at our website, lookaheadamerica.org, we have a report documenting all 900 instances so people can go and look at what is happening in their, in their state. States. And then, you know, we're talking here, right? Talking is good, but what we need is action. So one of our primary objectives is getting our volunteers to put pressure on their state legislators. So I encourage everyone to volunteer so so that they look, legis- state legislators are not used to angry people coming after them. It's it, is, they're unfamiliar with that. So when they start to get heat on something, they sometimes hit the pause button. And so folks have to get educated on what their state legislators are doing and then take appropriate steps to let them know they're not happy with it and to let all of their neighbors and everybody in their social network know they've got to step up and make sure these people are aware that they're, they're not going to sit back and take it. Oh. And that we're watching them.
1: Okay, Matt, thanks. I really appreciate you joining me. It's Look look, look ahead america.org, and the rally is uh, slash rally. You can find it. on, And that's this next Saturday, week from tomorrow in yep. D.C. And, and
4: I'm also happy to announce that on that same page, we will have our satellite rally. So there are at least 15 states where we will have satellite rallies for people who can't make it to D.C.
1: Okay. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Matt. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Congressman, now. Um, a lot of things are happening in Congress. Are you disappointed in your fellow congressmen and their lack of uh, fight against Nancy Pelosi? Are you, are you feel like there's a good fight going on?
3: Well, there is a good fight going on, and I am disappointed that we're not fighting harder. Uh, we have a lot of squishy Republicans. As you well know, the Republican Party basically has two wings uh, of substance. We have smaller groups like maybe a libertarian here or there. Uh, with Thomas Massey in the House and uh, Rand Paul in the Senate. But ultimately, we have a go-along, get-along, somewhat liberal, kind of like Democrats, but they just can't win that way, group of Republicans. And then you've got folks like the House Freedom Caucus that actually are conservatives and fight for our values. Yes. And we don't have enough conservatives. Uh, probably the most glaring example of that is with this deficit in debt. 20% maybe of the Republican conference in the House of Representatives has the backbone to do what's necessary to minimize our risk of suffering a debilitating national insolvency and bankruptcy. Twenty percent of the Republicans. And of course there probably aren't any Democrats who are willing to do what is necessary to minimize our risk of that national insolvency and bankruptcy. And that's horrible. I mean we've got just about as many debt junkies as the Democrats do. Yes.
1: And it's going to be worse in the Senate if you get there, it seems to me. Are the the percentage is—I don't know I don't know what the percentage well, is. Well, the
3: Senate is more liberal yes. as a body. The Republican body is more liberal in the Senate than it is in the House.
1: Yeah. Congressman Bill Brooks, don't go away because I might need you, but we have to take a break here. <laughs> I had other things I wanted to gotta talk to you about. you got to pay the bills. <laughs> we do have to pay the bills. Uh, Matt Schlapp is going to be joining us in a few minutes. But we're coming to you live from uh, the Anatole Hotel in Dallas, America Uncanceled, part two. This is CPAC, and uh, we'll be right back. Sadie Rios in the morning, ASR Talk.
5: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next.
1: As you plan your summer college visits, add Liberty University to the list. With many visiting options to choose from, you're sure to find the right one to fit your schedule. Spend a few hours exploring campus with our student-led team at Tour LU. Dig deeper and learn more about life at Liberty during Experience LU or take your next steps towards becoming a student at Decide LU. Learn more and register today by texting VISIT to 49596. Again, that's VISIT to 49596. See you this summer.
5: The Utah chapter of Black Lives Matter is doubling down on its hatred of the American flag. The BLM chapter declared that old glory is a symbol of hatred. They went on to write that when black Americans see the flag, they know the person flying that flag is not safe to be around. In other words, if you fly the Stars and Stripes, you are a white supremacist or a racist or generally dislike people of color. Lex Scott is the founder of the Utah chapter. She defended her decision by saying groups like the KKK fly the American flag at their rallies. Therefore, the flag must be racist. By the way, that's the same argument they used against the Confederate flag. I wrote about this in my book, Culture Jihad. So don't be surprised if one day lawmakers do, in fact, ban the red, white, and blue, along with the Star-Spangled Banner and the Pledge of Allegiance, all in the name of tolerance and diversity. I'm Todd Stearns.
6: Hi, this is Dan Celia from Financial Issues. We as God's people need to be good stewards of all that He has given us. That is so important, and that's what drives me each day as I break down the latest financial numbers and talk to listeners across the country about their use of the money that God has entrusted to them. Join me each morning from 8 to 10 Central and Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock Central Time for Financial Issues right here on American Family Radio. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks' one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When the Spirit of God penned those words through Apostle Peter, he meant every bit of them. Christ's following is distinct from the world. Christ's followers must look different from the world. We shouldn't be surprised then when the world does not understand us and demonizes our faith. Jesus said, the student is not above the teacher. The world hated Jesus. We mustn't be surprised when the world hates us. We are called to be peculiar. Understand it. Embrace it. Get comfortable with it. Get used to it. We are in the world, but not of the world. Stay peculiar, my friends. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 80% 80% of the time, an abortion-minded mother who views an ultrasound, or sonogram, of her baby will choose life. Here's the story of Candace.
3: The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little
4: spectrum of hope, and I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean,
7: that sonogram changed my life. I went from just...
2: Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given
6: these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. There are currently pre-born centers which do not have an ultrasound machine. Would you sponsor a machine today? dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Your love could save a life.
7: This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. A recent poll found that a majority of Americans believe Joe Biden is not in charge. His remarks yesterday about the end next month of U.S. military operations in Afghanistan reinforced that realistic perception. Notably, the apparent commander-in-chief in name only assured us the Taliban is highly unlikely to own the whole country. He said there's no circumstance in which helicopters will lift desperate people from the U.S. embassy roof like when we abandoned and lost South Vietnam. Only someone utterly disconnected from reality and responsibility could make such statements, let alone insist that the U.S. will continue to support the Afghan military and the people of Afghanistan will decide their country's fate. What will the person who is actually running America do when these preposterous assertions prove wrong, especially to protect us from a triumphant Taliban and embolden global jihad movement? This is Frank Geffney.
5: Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
1: All right, Sandy Reel's coming to you back again alive. <laughs> you know, you have no idea what a miracle it is that I'm coming to you alive. Uh, we were stranded on the American Airlines flight yesterday for about four hours on the runway. So I uh, got here a little bit late last night. And Congressman Brooks, you had the same experience, right, with American?
3: Well, I was three hours, a little bit over three hours Oh, well, then I off. was four. No, but we were <laughs> able to stay in the terminal. We weren't stuck on the airplane. That'd be uh, horrible.
1: That was bad. It really was. Yeah, so it wasn't fun, and, uh, but we made it, and we're all here. And uh, here is CPAC Dallas at America Uncanceled Part 2. There is something that uh, came out two days ago, I think. I heard it for the first time last night, Congressman, and I, I saw that it was featured on Fox this morning. Uh, but it is the Gay Men's Chorus of uh, San Francisco. And they are singing a song that you're not going to believe. And so let's just listen for a second, because I know this is an issue that you're very concerned about. The transgender issue, our children, public schools. I talk about that a lot, as I'm sure you you know, and you're very concerned about it. But let's listen to what this gay men's chorus is singing. Let's listen.
2: As we celebrate pride and the progress we've made over these past years, there's still work to be done. So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have a message for you. You think we're sinful You fight against our rights You say we all lead lives you can't respect But you're just frightened You think that we'll corrupt your kids If our agenda goes unchecked Funny, just this once, you're correct We'll convert your children Bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. You can keep him from disco, warn about San Francisco, make him wear pleated pants, we don't care. We'll convert your children, we'll make them tolerant and fair. At first, I didn't get why you'd be so scared of us turning your children into accepting, caring people, but I see now why you'd have a problem with that. Just like you worried, they'll change their group of friends. You won't approve of where they go at night to protest. But oh, when you'll be disgusted so gross. when they start finding things online that you've kept far from their sight, like information. Guess what? You'll, you'll still, still be, be alright. Convert your children, yes we will. Reaching one and all, there's really no escaping it. Cause even grandma likes RuPaul. And the world's getting kinder. Gen Z's gayer than Grinder. Learn to love, learn to vogue, face your fate. We'll convert your children. Someone's gotta teach them not to hate. That's enough of that right now. That's enough.
1: We're coming for your children. We're coming for your children. You know, Congressman, what you you wouldn't know. Where's the nearest
3: shower? Yeah, really.
1: (laughs) You know, I I was with CWA as president for a number of years, and we had the Culture and Family Institute. So this is an issue. as since it goes back to actually when I was on air in Chicago, um, when we would try to tell people the motivations behind the radical uh, gay activists, people could not uh, they didn't believe us I can remember a long time ago trying to because they put such a nice face on it and they would always give such good answers this is like gloves off they're not hiding anything you're going to get upset about where they go on the weekends upset about what they see on the air we're coming for your children we're coming for your children the smugness on their face when they sing this also is just uh, disgusting to me and I just um, I want to know your thoughts about what you just heard
3: Well, to me it is also disgusting and revolting. Uh, Fortunately, they didn't get to my kids, and as a result I have uh, ten grandchildren with three on the way, uh, all blessings of life. Uh, My view is pretty simple. I believe in liberty and freedom, so they have the right under American law to do what they're doing, but we also have the right to disassociate ourselves from them, Uh, That's guaranteed in the First Amendment to the United States uh, Constitution, freedom of association. And that's what I do. They can do whatever they want to do, but I don't have to like it, and the government can't make me like it. And the American people can make their own choice as to whether they like it or not. Um, Yeah, but that
1: choice is not—that's not even true anymore.
3: Well, Uh, We know what the Supreme Court just did last week with Baronelle
1: Stutzman, the Forrest.
3: She's
1: she's losing her business. She's paying hundreds of thousands of dollars because the Supreme Court can't be bothered to protect her religious liberty.
3: You're hitting the nail on the head. Uh, We've got horrible judges at the federal government district court level, court of appeals level, and Supreme Court level. We keep thinking that we're getting conservatives, but we're not because the... How does uh, that happen? Well, the Socialist Democrats fight in Congress, and in particular the United States Senate, on these judicial confirmations. And our presidents have not been strong enough, by and large, to get on the Supreme Court people who will obey their oath of office, which is to uphold the United States Constitution as it is written, not as they want it to be. You know, And we've got to have more fighters in the United States Senate for our principles and our values. Mm-hmm. But the First Amendment, freedom of religion... It doesn't mean that you leave your religion at the church door when you exit the doors, okay? That's not what it means. You can carry your religious values throughout 24 hours a day of your life, but that's not the way the judges are ruling. And then you've got the Freedom of Association Clause, where people have the absolute right to associate or disassociate with other people based on their conduct. And we're talking about conduct here. We're not talking about inherent characteristics over which a person has no control. We're not talking about skin pigmentation. We're not talking about ethnicity. We're not talking about chromosomes for which there are legitimate reasons to have anti-discriminatory laws. We're talking about conduct. And Americans have the right to not want to participate in or be anywhere near conduct that they don't like. Yeah. That's yeah. what freedom is about.
1: That's what freedom is about. Oh, no, that's what freedom used to be about, Congressman. It, this is a brave new world. I, I don't, I, I, I just don't, um, I'm not optimistic. I, there were t- only two Supreme Court justices who wanted to hear Baronell's case. And also Jack, uh, the cake baker in uh, Colorado. Now, I'm most Same disappointed
3: in our Supreme Court. Uh, uh, they have not been doing their jobs. And we need to do a much better job of vetting those who we wish to put on the Supreme Court. Now, in fairness, it's hard. Because there's an indoctrination process when you go through law school, yes. when you practice before right. judges, yes, and you've got to get people who have not succumbed to that indoctrination. And the indoctrination is that judges have the right to superimpose their own values and beliefs over what the law is actually saying, whether it be in the Constitution or in statutes. And for probably 50, 60 years, we at least, we've had Supreme Court justices who, in effect, think they're supreme congresses and they're supreme legislatures, and they have the right to disregard the policies enunciated by our duly elected representatives, and that is wrong.
1: It is wrong, and I, I guess I—my husband is an attorney— And when he was in law school at University of Illinois, well, he was an FBI agent who was an attorney first. And so he talked about, at the time he was young and was not political at all. And yet he understood, even instinctively, that he was being taught things that were just like, what, what are they talking about? And uh, he talked about there were some vocal conservatives in his class that would speak up and he'd think, yes, I agree with them. So that was a long time ago. We have law schools now saturated with uh, leftist thinking. So you've got a—I would say that the levers of power are all ruled by those attorneys. They're professional organizations. But then you have a pocket of conservative attorneys. Now you could say Federalist Society, but I have to say that's a little disappointing to me too. I feel like they've, uh, they've gone off and I think they've developed their own blind spots. Um, and I, so we have like, pockets of understanding of the law and i think uh strict constructionists are like hard to find right now would you agree with that
3: yeah in, in case they're members of the audience that don't know what strict constructionist means uh that's kind of a legal term it means pretty much what it says you interpret the law as it is written you don't make up words and sentences because in your view they ought to be in the law yeah. rather you defer to the decisions of your elected representatives going all the way back to those people who were involved in the drafting of the United States Constitution, which was subsequently ratified by each of the colonies or states, depending on what you wanted to call them, because in Articles of Confederation, there was this gray area as to what they really were. Uh, But the Constitution is what bound us together as a country. And it's an abomination what is happening in our courts
1: it really is. It really is. So I don't know how this is going to play out. I, I mean, we thought, I'm, we've said this before, but I want to say again, we thought that we were getting some really fine justices. People really fought to get Kavanaugh, you know, confirmed and defended him. Same thing with Amy Coney Barrett, especially Amy Coney Barrett. We were assured. I was assured. I'm, lots of us were assured by uh, conservatives on the inside of the choice-making that her record was stellar, that she would be a, a reliable, conservative justice. And I am just nothing but disappointed. I don't know how you feel, but uh, I feel like I, I've been, it's a gut punch.
3: Well, it's all started with Justice Roberts, and he's been an embarrassment. Yes. And he, unfortunately, has violated his oath of office because he's failed to defend the United States Constitution as it is written. Yeah. There's a way to change the Constitution if you don't like it. There's an amendment process but it's not supposed to be done by dictatorial judges and justices. And why do I use the word dictatorial? It's because they're unelected. They're appointed. They're not (laughs) representative of the will of the people. And their job is supposed to be limited. But unfortunately, they have to a very large degree taken over responsibilities of the legislative branch and the executive branch of government. And that's wrong. That's in violation of our three branches of government principles that are very clearly enunciated in the United States Constitution. So
1: right now we have two consistently resistors uh, meaning that they are strict constructionists and they are almost on everything resisting everything and that's Judge Thomas and Judge Justice Alito and occasionally Gorsuch will jump in to surprise us with something good you know and that's, he's been a you know we, we knew that he was <coughs> excuse me we knew that on the issue of uh, homosexual and transgender issues that he was going to be uh, a little iffy, and he has been. He delivered, you know, uh, in several cases he's delivered a, a very, or at least not jumped in. He did that in that case of that transgender boy in Virginia recently, remember two weeks ago, uh, where the kid wanted to, you know, decided he wanted to go to the, uh, I forget which, the, the women's restroom. And the schools tried to stop him, and the court refused to hear that. So he won in Virginia, and that's because I think Gorsuch was one of the ones who would not hear that.
3: You know, I, I don't know what I, I can say in response. I'm, I share your uh, level of disappointment. Um, I'm a practicing attorney, a litigator in court, uh, predominantly involving uh, commercial disputes, or at least that was my prior life before I was elected to the United States Congress. So I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Uh, under the law, they won't let me because um, you're
1: because you're because in I'm a congressman. Congress,
3: yeah. I I can no longer. I had to give up my law practice, right. so my income was uh, cut in half, uh, maybe a little bit more than half, uh, to be able to serve in the United States Congress. But to me, there is a huge distinction between anti-discrimination laws relating to inherent characteristics over which we have no control and applying anti-discrimination laws to voluntary conduct over which people do have control. There's a huge difference between those two scenarios, right. but these justices seem blind to it. Uh, homosexuality, being a lesbian, being whatever it is you want to be, you have that right, okay? Uh, I believe in liberty and freedom. Uh, they have the right to do these things in their private lives or even in their public lives. Uh, but that's conduct. And other people, under, if you're gonna believe in liberty and freedom, they have the right to frown on it and disagree with it if they wish. That's what freedom is about, where you have people with different viewpoints making different kinds of decisions concerning different things. For example, on Iron Bowl Day, I root for Alabama. Uh, There are others in my household who graduated from Auburn. Okay, my two Uh sons graduated from Auburn. (laughs) And we don't, we haven't watched an iron bowl together, uh, since the time when Cam Newton, um, was ahead, something like, uh, Alabama was ahead, something like 21 or 24 to nothing. And then Cam Newton went crazy and beat us, uh, 28, 27 and went on to win a national title. That's the last time I watched an iron bowl. (laughs) So, but see, that's conduct, you know, the screaming and the hollering and whether you enjoy the environment. Okay. And, And people have the right to do that if they wish, um, but that's not the way the Supreme Court is seeing it. No. Uh, a person ought to have the right to bake a cake or not bake a cake based on the kind of conduct that people engage in.
1: Let's talk. Let's change the subject. Same thing, but different in terms of freedoms. Uh, we haven't talked about COVID at all. And you guys are. You and I both flew yesterday and, of course, had to be masked because everybody knows that airplanes are so dangerous. And the rest of the world is not masking, but airplanes are maintaining their mask mandate. And so... Um, Javier uh, Becerra was responding to uh, Dan Crenshaw, who made a statement about the government should not be forcing us to do things like this. And I want you to hear what Javier Becerra had to say. And then let's talk about you know, what, how you feel about the vaccinations and also about the draconian rules that we're experiencing still. This is Javier Becerra.
6: The federal government has had to spend trillions of dollars to try to keep Americans alive during this pandemic. So it is absolutely the government's (laughs) business. It is taxpayers' business if we have to continue to spend money to try to keep people from contracting COVID and and helping reopen the economy. And so it is our business to try to make sure Americans can prosper, Americans can freely associate, and knocking on a door has never been against the law. You don't have to answer, but we hope you do, because if you haven't been vaccinated, we can help dis- help dispel some of those rumors that you've heard and hopefully get you vaccinated.
1: Yeah, so Dan Crenshaw was tweeting about the proposal to go door to door and knock and make sure people have had the vaccine where do you stand on that?
6: Well,
3: the House Freedom Caucus will be sending out a letter shortly, maybe yesterday, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Um, I'm a co-signer of that letter. And we frown very strongly on this door-to-door endeavor by the federal government. And when you hear one of these socialists talk about, uh, well, we have an interest in the economy, well, dadgummit, you guys are the ones who shut it down. Okay? Okay. It wasn't COVID-19 that shut down our economy. It was the government overreaction to COVID-19 that shut down our economy. It was the dictatorial grab for power that shut down our economy. You look at states like Florida. We're in Texas right now and Alabama. We're thriving. We need more people to fill the jobs that we have that are open. Um, we're, we're booming. Uh, it's, so it, we're not shut down. We're going forward. I can't help it. When a place like New York and New York City, they elect a socialist mayor and an incompetent governor, and they shut down the economy and wreak havoc with the lives of American citizens. And by the way, this has not ever been done before in the history of the United States in the face of a pandemic. The government has never in the history of the United States attacked its own economy. But the Democrats did it, and they did it for the worst of reasons. They used COVID-19 as an excuse They wanted to beat Donald Trump in 2020, and Donald Trump and the economy were strong suits for Donald Trump, and so they had to figure out a way to kill the economy, and they intentionally torpedoed our economy. They intentionally wreaked havoc with people's lives. They intentionally impoverished who knows how many people who have lost their businesses as a consequence of this government dictatorial conduct, and all because they wanted to beat the other party's President of the United States. Yeah. And it is wrong and it is shocking and I wish the American people do a better job of figuring out the real motivation for why people like Becerra are saying what they're saying.
1: Yes, plus now and uh, plus now they're trying to force children to be vaccinated in New York. I just read New York City. They're actually passed a law where a l- children as young as 11 years old can v- get vaccinated without the permission of their parents. That's wrong. It's oh, it's it's Stunning to me, when you look at the stats, a Congressman, children are being harmed by this vaccine, and we have good reason to believe that a lot of adults are being harmed by the vaccine also.
3: It ought to be a matter of liberty and freedom yes. if we're going to live in a country of liberty and freedom. Now, everybody can make their own choice. I took voluntarily the Pfizer vaccine because weighing the pros and cons, the risk and the benefits, I chose... To take it. But that should be every American's decision to make. Some people have different factors than I have and have chosen not to take it. I respect their right to make that decision. And these dictatorial socialists should conduct uh-huh. themselves likewise, yes. but they're in power grab mode. Yes. And their overall mental attitude is that they're smarter than the rest of America Therefore, they have every right and obligation to dictate to us, to control our lives and tell us what we can and cannot do. And that is the opposite of what has made America the greatest nation in world history.
1: And the scary, scary thing is that they keep claiming that they're not doing it, at least the Biden administration, but corporations now firing people. I, my, good, my husband has a good friend that was just laid off. I can't talk about details uh, but uh, because he would not get the, the vaccine. He's in a very professional Uh, place with a very well-known company and uh, he he can't he just lost his job well Sandy, if
3: I could interject just for a moment if you folks out there like what Congressman Mo Brooks is saying I'm a candidate for the United States Senate please go to MoBrooks.com we are ahead in all the polls by a substantial margin but but the establishment special interest group open borders bring in that cheap foreign labor wings of the Republican Party they are pouring money into the coffers of a professional lobbyist, and I guess they figured that it's better to hire a United States Senator than it is to hire a lobbyist, and so that's what's okay. happening, and I need your help. Please go to MoBrooks.com if you want a principled conservative, someone who believes in liberty and freedom in the United States Senate, who won't just sit there and act the role, but will actually be a fighter. I'm a founder of the House Freedom Caucus with another dozen or two congressmen, and that, I hope, gives you a pretty good idea of where I'm coming from, and we need more fighting conservatives in the United States Senate because right now we don't have enough.
1: No, absolutely. So I that, know I'm you can't you... say that, but I can't. <laughs> I'm glad you interjected that. Uh, I want to ask you about one more thing before we have to say goodbye. An uh, incredible story came out yesterday, the day before, and that is that the Capitol Police have now been given, what, a $2 billion, something like that, uh, piece of money from Congress, and now they're going to expand into the states. They're going to do a capital Police force around the states, which means that Nancy Pelosi will have a police force uh, in all the states that they're expanding. And they do not have to respond to FOIA requests. They're a very different kind of policing organization. Many people are terribly concerned about that. I want to know what you think.
3: Well, my hesitancy, before you even get into the public policy of it, is how we're going to pay for it. It's all money we do not have, have to borrow to get, can't afford to pay back, and increases America's risk of going into an insolvency in bankruptcy. So uh, I've got the nickname. Uh, Congressman Mike Rogers and others have given me this nickname. They call me not Mo Brooks, but No Brooks because I vote <laughs> no so much on all this spending. And that's my initial thought. I don't have to get into the public policy of it, and I think you've covered it pretty well. But I don't have to do that because— I'm tired of us borrowing all this money that risks the future of the United States of America, a country that took two centuries to build into the best nation in world history. And it's all at risk. All at risk. And this national police force controlled by Nancy Pelosi, that's scary, and it's coming to you.
1: Very scary. But the cat's out of the bag for the funding. I mean that's already something that's been passed as I understand it so well
3: it is temporary it has to be renewed each and every year okay. in order to maintain whatever it's being spent for and quite frankly we need to terminate it I'm not talking about terminating all the money for the Capitol Police what the, these law enforcement officers they do a great job protecting senators and congressmen in the Capitol complex my hat's off to them um, they're by and large they are excellent people um, well, but to have them in every single state, you know, I, I, I've been shot at before as the United States congressman. I was one of the people on the ball field. Uh, I, was, you about that. I was one of six um, who were on the high-priority t- high target list that was in the assassin's pocket, okay, along myself, Mo Brooks, and five other congressmen. I get death threats on a regular basis. So I can understand why some congressmen and senators want a Capitol Police officer that gives them 24-hour seven-day-a-week coverage and protection. Uh, But, you know, there are risks with public life, particularly when you've got one political party that wants to stomp on the United States Constitution and deprive us of the liberty and freedoms that over a million Americans have fought and died to give us. Yes. So you you have to expect that there's some blowback when you try to do that. Right. When you try to undermine the United States Constitution that makes us who we are as a people. Uh, Nonetheless, we we have financial limitations, and we have to recognize those.
1: Matt, can you give me five minutes? We got five minutes left. Uh oh.
3: <laughs> the big man's coming um, on stage. Okay, Mo, thank Matt you. Stay right there. Stay
1: <laughs> Matt Schlapp. Uh-huh. Matt is a man in demand and uh We've already spoken.
0: Hey, when you're in the Senate, you can do it back to me. Okay,
1: sir? <laughs> That's right. That's right. The Pope. The Packing order changes. Matt, uh, listen. Thanks for thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for coming to your own event. I really appreciate. it. <laughs> nice of you to come. Uh, I have
0: this. I have this pressure. I tell you every time, Sandy. If, uh, it's called a multi-million-dollar pressure. We're gonna have to pay a hotel bill Hotel bill pretty soon, and let's yeah. just hope we enjoy the time, right?
1: Yes. Well, it is a beautiful hotel. This is, lovely. This is gorgeous, Manitoba. Wow. Yeah.
0: The artwork is amazing. Uh, you know, uh, this. Hey, it's nice to have uh, a Republican owner of a hotel that won't be calling us Nazis. Oh, this remember? Is really going to uh, be great.
1: Yeah, the last time we saw you, it was yeah. in Orlando, and it was just they were making us miserable.
0: And really, the Payment. Hyatt ended up putting a statement out, essentially calling conservatives. You know, haters, and uh, we just that we're in this terrible, poisonous part in this country where people who love the country, love our history, as imperfect as it is, proud of the flag, realize that America is a force for good. We are called by our own fellow citizens, yeah. fascists and yeah. haters, and I, I just can't believe where we are. But I'll tell you what, we're not going to take it, and uh, we're going to talk to these kids, and, we, and they'll be. Half of this audience is going to be filled with high school and college kids, and we're going to tell them that they should be proud of being an American, that they're put on this earth, and God has a plan for them. And part of that plan is to be proud of their country and to express our values overseas. Everybody who loves freedom overseas is loves America. When I was in Hong Kong with those protesters, they sang our songs and held our flag. Our own children don't sing our songs, and they don't know our songs.
1: I know. Oh, gosh, Matt, not when you started. You know how we both feel the same way about that. Let's get practical because of our time here. Uh, people are going to be able to watch this is it covered by fox.
0: everyone you know fox, is, fox here. is here fox is you can watch it live stream on okay. uh, on their daily uh, fox nation and okay. you can also go to conservative.org our website we've okay. really beefed up the website so that you can watch it without any interruptions All right. uh, so you know everybody has no excuse to watch it watch this <laughs> watch this watch this content it's important
1: yeah and so give us some highlights
0: well today of course we're going to have uh, I believe Congressman Brooks is speaking today, and we're going to have Madison Cawthorn speaking today. We're going to have Donald Trump Jr. speaking today. We're going to have the Lieutenant Governor of Texas, uh, and, and myself, will be opening up CPAC together. Uh, we're going to be. Uh, we're going to have Candace Owens speaking at our dinner. We're going to have. The great former governor and energy secretary Rick Perry speaking uh, at that dinner. We're going to hear from Charles W. Herbster, who's another great conservative candidate running for governor of Nebraska. And then, of course, on Sunday, it's going to the culmination is going to be Donald Trump, and his focus is going after big tech, closing that border, and winning the Congress.
1: Big tech. I wanted. That's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about this morning quickly he has law by Congressman, so nice to see you. Uh,
0: you never know who you're gonna run into I, at CPAC. I, I know, you just never I know. know. It's
1: amazing. How people just drop oh, there's the music.
0: I'm sorry. Uh, Let me tell you we're going after Big Tech. Yes. CPAC is on the lawsuit and this yes. is a oh, real really? this is a real lawsuit. And okay. we have been harmed by what they do. Yes. Oh, and we're gonna fight.
1: Okay, I'm glad to hear that. And you and I will have a longer conversation yes. by phone. Okay, yeah. soon. But uh, go forth and make it make it great. You guys do such a great conference. I'm so glad to be here. God and bless you. Uh, and honored Rios. that you always include me. Thank yes, you. Yes, of course. Okay, God bless you too, Matt, Thank and you. your family. All right, Sandy Rio's coming to you again live from the Anatole Hotel in Dallas, Texas. It's uh, America Uncancelled part two, and we're gonna do our part to make sure that it does not get canceled. Uh, Thanks for listening, and I want to thank all my good helpers, Mike here today, and Adam and Devin back in Tupelo. Thanks, guys, very much for your help. We'll be back, uh, well, next week. Sandy Rios in the morning. AFR Talk.
6: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family or American Family.